Lord, would you draw weary, jaded, apathetic, even rebellious hearts like ours to heed your call to us on this day in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I lived in Birmingham, Alabama for six plus years, and there was my Walmart. You know, we all have our Walmart, right? I, I, I went to this Walmart on a fairly regular basis, and every Saturday without fail, there was a man out there who had a beat-up white van, and he would set out signs right there on the road on a very busy intersection right in front of the Walmart and get out his speaker and a microphone, and he was a street preacher, and he started going. It didn't matter if it was early in the morning before breakfast or if it was dusk. He was out there, rain or shine. This dude was faithful, and he believed it. Calling out, Jesus loves you, turn to the Lord. He had all of his signs with the Bible verses on them. And, you know, you saw drivers rubbernecking as they're going down the road, like, hey, what's going on over there? But, of course, we're all in a hurry. We are going places, so it's more of a spectacle than anything else. We're urgent. And yet, it's an announcement that he's making that is nonetheless true. And perhaps the Lord wanted my attention to be drawn to this message of repent and believe the good news. These words we heard in the gospel reading from Nancy, they're so familiar, aren't they? Almost a, a breathless, simple statement escaping the lips of Jesus, launching his public ministry. He starts out saying, hey, God's kingdom is here, so rejoice by repenting <laughs> and believing this good news. Um, you know, I, think, I, think we, I wonder what it means for us today, these worn-out words that have become so familiar to us, so comfortable that perhaps we hardly even hear them because we're in church, and this is a churchy kind of thing to say, repent and believe in Jesus. And yet, I think, I think Jesus is trying to get our attention this morning to tell us that there's a bigger, grander story that he wants us to live in than the one that we have settled for. There's something so much more for us in, 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 our, in our daily lives of, you know, the pressures to YOLO. You know, you only live once. We're all living this, right? We, we have the you-do-you culture. Do what makes you happy. Do what brings you fulfillment. And everybody's searching for it, aren't we? We're clawing and scratching our way. We're going over here to find happiness. We're going over there. No, now we're shifting. We're trying to find some sense of fulfillment, some sense of purpose, some meaning that connects and makes sense of our lives. And Jesus is that street preacher on the corner saying, turn to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll refresh you. I'll give you rest. The only rest you can really ever find is in me. Because I'm a truer story. I'm a bigger story. You know, you know, hearing this invitation to repent doesn't exactly kind of give us like good feelings, does it? You know, repentance may on the one hand for some of us feel like a New Yorker cartoon that I came across. The man's at a flower shop asking the florist, explaining his situation. He says, um, I need something that says I'm sorry about that thing that I said that made you way overreact. You know, it's the... <laughs> Thank you, that, that felt good, yeah. The sorry, not sorry kind of thing, you know. Oh, yeah, I've repented. Oh, sorry about that, God, and moving on with our day. Or we think of it in this big, heavy kind of way. So Orlando Weekly, before the new year, came out with a, 
I don't know how they did this, what the polling scenario was, but Orlando has, you'll be proud to know you live in this city. We are now considered the second most sinful city in the United States. Congratulations. We're number two, you know. Somebody's worse than us. I don't know. It's, it's Las Vegas, in case you're wondering. And so, but, so I don't know if it was tongue-in-cheek or if the Orlando Weekly was kind of making fun a little bit of whatever this polling data was, but there were three categories that came up high for Orlando folks. Anger, ever driven on I-4? Lust, plenty of that around both after material possessions and after all sorts of sexual fantasies. Jealousy, I want what they have. I wish my life looked like that. Anger, lust, and jealousy characterize, apparently, Orlando in some way, shape, or form. And if you're sitting here thinking, "Mm mm-hmm, my neighbor, I know somebody, I could tell you some stories, or this person next to me in the pew, just point him out, I'll see him afterwards. You know, it it gives us kind of an occasion to finger wag, doesn't it, a little bit? Like, yeah, shame, 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 I know your name. Um, And thinking that perhaps repenting means fixing those behaviors, straightening up a little bit better, dressing nicer, coming to church, putting that good mask of veneer on that everything's good. Jesus knows it's not. He knows the things in your story that are causing you anxiety, fear, frustration, disappointment, the things you're yearning and searching for and hoping for. He's aware of all of it. And he's saying, you so easily and readily accept the cheap imitation instead of this real better thing. My son Isaac's nine years old, and for Halloween, he wanted to be a SWAT team guy, you know, so he wanted to have the the bulletproof vest and the whole uniform and kind of be like, have a sniper gun of some kind or something. So we acquiesced to this. And um, of course, you know, I'm a good parent. I made sure it had reflector things on it, but I was like, all right, I'll get him a gun. And but I waited too late for the Amazon free shipping thing, and, you know, I got like, oh, so I'll just run to the dollar store real quick, and I'll find some gun that makes noise or whatever, and he'll feel good running around the neighborhood with it. So I got the dollar store gun, and he was all excited about it. He was like, all right, all right. We, I'm not kidding, got like three houses down from our house, and like the gun snapped or something, you know. So it went from going like, to like, you know, and like a part was hanging off, and he was just like, oh, I can't be a SWAT team guy without a gun, you know. And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's not like you're going to like yell, yell at somebody, like a um, crossing guard or something. So we went back and duct taped the gun, but, you know, it was such a cheap imitation of what it should have been. It was really sad, you know, and I felt bad as his dad walking around with him with it. But nonetheless, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, you're settling for smaller stories than the one I want to give you. I have a much grander story of of the goodness and love of God poured out into the world. Uh, I'm announcing good news here. It's It's not a straighten up kind of message. It's not a get your act together, guys. It's a, I know. And here's, I've got something better for you, something so much better that's beyond your expectations. It's this announcement of the kingdom of God coming, coming in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It doesn't just come as an announcement like, hey, guess what? You're free. 
It's more than that because it comes in a package of Jesus himself, of Jesus himself coming and, and, and living the perfect life, showing us what life can look like when you are open to God, when, when you trust him completely. And he knows that this is impossible for us. Uh, theologians have a word for, for us that, that we're curved in on ourselves. Um, that's what sin is. It's ultimately about me and what's best for me and things through my vantage point. That's my hard wiring, my DNA. It's always reverting back to me and my needs and my wants. Um, when Beth and I took our kids on vacation a couple years ago, we're, of course, tearing through the house trying to get everything packed into bags. I mean, it takes like a week to go on vacation when you have three little kids. And we're like trying to get everything together. And I'm sitting there, I'm the, I'm the typical guy. Like, I mean, come on, we were supposed to leave at eight o'clock. We got to hit the road. And, you know, we still don't have three sets of clothes for each day for each kid, which why, but that's what you do. And so we're having to get everything together and it's a scramble and it's, we're getting out of the house like two hours late and I'm already fuming and we, we pull out of the driveway, and then it's, Rosie's like, I gotta go to the potty. So we have to go back, you know, and it's like, all right. And, and then we start to leave again, and Aiden's like, oh, I forgot my stuffed animal. And it's like, oh, this is gonna be miserable, and we better go get it. So you go back, and you get the stuffed animal. We get on the road, and I'm mad at the traffic. The kids are fighting in the back seat, and I'm like, let's have fun. This is vacation. What are you doing? Ah. I'm like Clark Griswold from Christmas Vacation, but way worse. Like, we're gonna have fun. Tight, you know tight fist clenching it, white knuckling it. And Beth looks at me and says, Adam, this is a vacation. It's supposed to be fun. And I go, oh, I've blown it again. See, this didn't meet my expectation or my timeline. It wasn't going how I thought it should go. Don't we do that with our lives? We have these great expectations that are good, good hopes and dreams, good plans. And then it just doesn't seem to play out that way and we get frustrated and angry and we white knuckle it and we just try to fit the pieces together to see if maybe this time it'll work. Jesus is saying when he's saying repent he's saying open yourself up to a bigger story to the life death and resurrection of my son. Open up to what I can actually do for you. This is good news for us. That's why this, this, this news shouldn't just bounce off of our ears and, we, ears and we skip out of here to lunch to onto the rest of our week. We should actually consider this is news for us and it's good. There's hope in it and power in it. Things are now different because God has invaded history. God has invaded this world. And I dare say God wants to invade your life. Repentance isn't a one-time thing. Jesus isn't calling for a one-time check-the-box, get-your-get-out-of-hell-free card. This isn't fire insurance. He's saying, repent. Repentance as a way of life. Repent and believe the gospel. And again, later, next hour, you're going to probably need to repent and believe the gospel. And next week, you're going to need to repent and believe the gospel. That's the normal way of doing things because we get very fixated on our small stories. God wants to open us up to something larger. There was a movie Adam Sandler did. Some of his movies are just terrible. 
but this was actually a really good one, I think because Don Cheadle was in it and the writing was excellent. It was um, called Rain Over Me. It was from about 2005. And Adam Sandler played a, played a uh, grieving widower whose wife died at 9-11. He was there, present, watched it happen. And they were living in a New York City flat where they were actually in the process of redoing their kitchen. And so years later, Adam Sandler's character is, he has been so swallowed up by the tragedy and loss of this event that he spends his whole day re redoing his kitchen. He fixes it up, puts in all new cabinetry and counters and new appliances, and then several weeks later, he bashes it all apart and starts over. And he's caught in this loop. And the only other thing he does is he plays this video game the entire time. He's just playing video games, and he's stuck in this small world. And Don Cheadle plays his friend who's going, buddy, there's more to life. There's so much out there. Leave your apartment. Come out with me. There's things to experience, things to do. But Adam Sandler's character can't see it because he's so caught in what he was hoping to build, and it was taken from him. You may not have faced tragedy or something of that epic magnitude, but I dare bet that at times you felt like you've been stuck in a cycle, stuck in an ongoing loop of striving, of struggling, of longing. The good news is God has done it for you. He has given you the very best. He's not holding out on you. He's given you his own son, Jesus. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel which I preach to you. The gospel means good news. By which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised from the, on the third day according to the scriptures and he appeared to Cephas in the twelve. That's the substance and the content of the gospel of the good news. God didn't send us instructions. He sent us his son. He didn't give us a manual. He gave us the one in whom contains so much life it's bursting out the world can't even contain it. He wasn't, he wasn't the weird street preacher that people were like, what a stranger. He was being invited into all the parties. Sinners wanted to be around him. He was the kind of person that was talking about God's goodness and love in a way that was winsome and attractive to people that wanted to know about that. To real people who wanted to be forgiven. What does it mean if I've lived a life and I've thrown things away? Is there still hope for me? Is there a chance? Jesus says, yes. I'm for you. God is for you. That's the power of the gospel, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we're going to, in a few minutes, say the, the Nicene Creed together, the ancient creed all Christians everywhere at all times have said. And we're going to say those words. He was crucified. He was dead and buried, and he was resurrected. That's the pattern of God's story, death and resurrection, death and resurrection. And perhaps when we're praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we're also saying, my kingdoms go. Bring your kingdom and replace, replace my small kingdom with a much better one. 
That's what we're called to, a bigger story. As the Mumford and Sons song goes, we're, we're, we're called into a love that will not betray you, dismay you, or enslave you. It will set you free to be more like the man you were made to be. There's a design, an alignment to cry of my heart to see the beauty of love as it was made to be. This is how it was supposed to be. In communion with God, knowing Him, being rescued by Him, and being connected to others who have been rescued by Him, that's good news. Uh, For several years when I lived in Atlanta, that's where I grew up, um, I got the chance to go down to a place called the Open Door Community. And they, they minister to people on the streets, and they have a residential component. And it was really a wonderful experience. And there's this one old guy who was there all the time. And this dude had lived life, and you just knew it. He had been through some stuff. He had seen some things. The creases in his face, every, every one of them had a story. He had been, been to hell and back again kind of thing. But this guy had a joy about him and a peace about him that was so attractive. And it wasn't plastic, and it wasn't like in your face, hi. But when you, when you, he, would, he would just say, hey, how you doing, fella? But if you asked him, how are you doing? He would respond with something like, I'm dressed and in my right mind, so God must not be through with me yet. And he really, there was a sense of satisfaction about that. Like, I've got everything that I need. Because I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I know where the story is going. I'm part of a bigger story. That's what we're called into, friends. That's what Jesus has come to bring. Life and life abundantly for us to live out. And we get to live this out by prioritizing Christ in our life. So when we go out into our places of work, into our neighborhoods, into our marriages, into our child rearing, into our loneliness, into our, um, into our schooling, into all the places we find ourselves. We get to go knowing that we're part of a bigger story, where we're connected to the one who has redeemed us and brought us to himself. And just like we do the gospel reading with the deacon and the procession going out, we open the doors of the church. It's proclaiming the gospel. You, when you leave here, are going to go out and you're going to bear witness to what you experience and what what we reenact here, what we hear here. You're going to carry that into your places. The secular world, this sinful Orlando, gets to actually be exposed to what God has for us all. Trusting Jesus, repenting of our small stories, and believing and living into his bigger story, which is good for us, and we know it. Do you hear that call today? To join Peter and Andrew and James and John and the other fishermen? who were caught unawares, but they left their nets immediately and followed him because they wanted to live life and live it to the full. May we do so likewise. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.